0: Imagine you're in line at the store and uh, the person in front of you is short $1.72 to pay for their grocery cart full of stuff. And, uh, and you step up, you find a couple bucks in your pocket, you're like, I, got, I have some money here. Here, here have $2. And you give them the $2 and you say, I got you covered. Would you rather do that for... A single mom with an empty checkbook wrestling three kids and a shopping cart with a squeaky wheel? Or an angry, irritable, impatient, executive businessman guy who's blaming his shortage of money on the cashier, and he's, he's angry at her, he's yelling at her, and she's crying? Which one would you rather give $2 to? Right, the single mom? Uh, you and the other captain are assigned, you're assigned captains, and you're picking your teams. Who would you have rather choose to be on your team, the, the superstar or the slacker who can't score? Hmm. You have some extra potato chips in the class, in the uh, cafeteria at school. Who would you rather give your extra potato chips to, your friend or the vice principal who suspended you for a day for wearing a Christian t-shirt? Now, I want you to put a different imaginary hat on, and imagine this. Imagine you are that angry, impatient, executive, irritated for the day, and ripping the cashier so that she's crying. And someone comes to you and gives you $2 and says, hey man, I got you covered. How would you feel? Uh, imagine you are the one who is the strikeout king of the world, and you, you always strike out, you never score, and, the, and, and they're picking baseball teams, and, it, and there's the captains, and there's you know, 18 of you kids lined up, and you're always picked last. And, and, and imagine if you're that kid, and the first captain to make the first pick picks you. Imagine you're the vice-principal who every day has to make really tough decisions about kids and about parents and about faculty and staff and, and doesn't, doesn't bat a thousand, doesn't get it all right all the time. And, and you're that vice-principal, and a kid comes up to you and gives you a gift and says, thanks so much for making a difference. How'd you feel? You know, Jesus teaches us about mercy today, and uh, I, I want to read this parable from start to finish for you, because the, sometimes the power of Jesus' parables, actually most of the time, is in the story, and so I, 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 usually I break it up when I preach a little bit, and I'll do that today, but I'm going to take some extra time to read through the parable for you. So is that okay if I take extra time and we go over time today if I read Jesus' words? None of you better say no. All right. Here's Jesus' words. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and send them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon, and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, "'Why have you been standing here all day doing nothing?' "'Because no one has hired us,' they answered. He said to them, "'You also go and work in my vineyard.' When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, "'Call the workers and pay them their wages, "'beginning with the last ones hired, And going on to the first. So the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who is hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money, or are you envious because I am generous?" So the last will be first, and the first will be last. That's Jesus' parable of the workers in the vineyard. Uh, Jesus begins the parable um, very clearly, telling us the kingdom of heaven is like, um, just for clarity, remember this, that heaven is not the only place where the kingdom of heaven exists. It's there, but that's not the only place. When Jesus uses that term kingdom of heaven, he's, a kingdom is operational activity of a ruler. And so God's, God's kingdom of heaven is also here on this earth, it, among, around everyone, and it's every day, and it's wherever God is doing his work, wherever God is showing up, wherever God is taking care of business, wherever God wants salvation, that's the kingdom of heaven. It's here. It's in your kitchen at home. It's at work. It's, it's wherever God is at work, okay? So, and God is, is teaching us through Jesus' parable that the main operational of his kingdom, the main operational principle of his kingdom is not money, it's mercy, as a matter of fact, Jesus can't even get through the very first line of his parable. You know, he, hasn't, he hasn't even taken a breath yet as he's starting to teach the parable, and he's, he's got to talk about mercy because that's so foundational to God. And so he talks about this landowner, and uh, he doesn't just post job openings on Indeed and hope that people come to him. He says that the landowner went out early in the morning to hire workers. This is God's mercy. God's mercy doesn't sit still, wait for the worthy to make their way to him. And then they come to him and they have to apply. And then he, you know, he does an interview and then there's only a few who make it. See what Jesus is saying, that the landowner went out. God's mercy goes out, and it seeks, and it finds, and it sees. And that mercy, sinners, seeks and finds you. So the landowner hires a crew. He agrees to pay them each a denarius. A denarius is a generous day's wage. It's, a, it's a, an amount of currency in those days, a generous day's wage. Let's just say for our Western minds right now today, let's, say, let's call it $300. Okay, so the, so the, the landowner hires this first crew at 6 a.m. He says, I'll give you $300 pay for the day. They say, that's great. We're, we're going to work. All right, then, then here's what happens. About nine in the morning, three hours later, the landowner goes out and, and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. Oh, okay. Here's, here's the neat part. Again, this is God's mercy operating in the person of the landowner and saw others. God's mercy saw others. You know, God's mercy never stops looking. God's mercy never stops seeing. God's mercy sees sees the struggling soul who's trying to figure out who they are and why they're here. God's mercy sees and goes to find the, the disappointed doubter who's been let down by God, by the church, God's mercy goes and looks and finds, even, it says here, those doing nothing, who should be doing something and, and, and should be contributing, and they're just consumers. And God says, I'm, even when you think you're not doing enough, I am looking for you and I am coming to you and I want you in my vineyard. And so at 6 a.m., 9 a.m., 12 noon, and 3 p.m., four times, the landowner goes goes out again, finds others, sees still more, and then after the after those four times, he goes out at 5 p.m. The workday is going to end at 6 p.m. and and Jesus says this landowner goes out and it's about 5 p.m. He's still not giving up. He's still looking for people to come workers to come in his vineyard. And folks, if there's workers standing around the marketplace at 5 p.m., are those good workers? You're getting the bottom of the barrel, I'm sorry. No one else has hired them. There's a reason for that. They're not very good. But the landowner says, and I want you to work in my vineyard too. God's mercy. God's mercy calls to you when you don't even know how to call to Him. God's mercy finds you even when you're not very good at finding Him. God's mercy never gives up on you even though sometimes you've given up on Him. God's mercy always looks, always goes out. God's mercy sees your child who other people don't see the way that they're supposed to, the way that you do. God's mercy sees your child sick when you can't just snap your fingers and make them better, and it's maybe even harder on you than it is on your kid. God's mercy sees your child when they're experiencing any kind of injustice beyond your control. God's mercy sees your grown child when they've wandered from the family and say, I, I don't even want to be part of this family anymore. God's mercy sees them more than even you. So active, so seeking. He goes, he seeks, he finds And now the real drama begins. (laughs) The workday is done. Woo! Can you give give the person next to you a high five and say, workday is done. Woo! Come on. Come on. Workday is done. Workday is done. Everybody's celebrating. Workday is done. Everyone's getting paid. The workers show up to receive their paychecks. The foreman gives paychecks first to the workers hired at 5 p.m. And it says, each received... $300. $300. That's the amount that the landowner promised to the ones hired at 6 a.m. So, at this point, if the ones that have worked not even an hour are getting paid $300, what do you think the ones who were hired at 6 a.m. and worked for 12 hours, what do you think they're thinking? Wow, we're going to get 300 times 12. Is that $3,600? I'm bad at math. Okay. They've already spent three grand in their heads because they're seeing the money come out to the one-hour workers, and uh, then they only get $300. They began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only an hour, they said, and you've made them equal to us, and we've borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. You know, in God's kingdom of mercy, the last are equal to the first does that seem fair quick quiz a b or c how much does superstar soccer player cristiano ronaldo make in what's my make per hour I, I, should have put, I should have made that more difficult for you. That's, that's correct. He makes $22,833 an hour. That's $380 per minute. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo makes, in a single day, more than any of us make in a year, unless you're a millionaire or a billionaire, in a single day, he makes $548,000. Does that seem fair? I'm looking at some teachers. I'm thinking of social workers. I know some first responders who should make $380 an hour. And I don't know if a soccer player should. Just being honest. Maybe pastors should make that too. I'll I'll (laughs) throw pastors in there. But here's the deal. Ticket buyers and TV viewers and team jersey wearers have uh, obsessed with sports and entertainment in our culture have created a different standard of fairness for professional athlete salaries. And soon to come, am I right, NCAA athletes are now going to get paid? I thought I heard that. There's there's just a different standard in that world that we've created. And so the standards that apply to pastors and social workers and teachers, they're two different planets. They're two different standards. So we can't apply one standard to the other. That's what's happening there. Here's what the landowner says to the workers who were grumbling. He says, don't impose your standard of fairness on me. I have a different standard. That's what I'm operating by. He says it this way, Jesus' words, verses 13 to 14. I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. You know, so the 12-hour workers, they were, man, the 12-hour workers, they were in it to get paid. And maybe the nine-hour workers were. I don't know about the six-hour workers or even the three-hour workers, definitely not the late-coming workers. They were just happy to be there. They really weren't in it for the money, and yet they got what they didn't deserve. So what are you in it for? Why are you here? When, When you pray and you ask the almighty God of heaven to change circumstances, he doesn't change your circumstances, but he really wants to change your heart, you feel disappointed? When you've given, sacrificially, financial gifts to a church, and then they tell you you can't bring coffee in during the service, you give sacrificially and you have to give up your seat or your parking spot. Or when you wanna volunteer and, and you do and it's not very well organized and it's, it's more difficult than you expected it to be. Well, what were you in it for? What's your standard? What's your operating principle when you think of you and God? Do you think of God and of people? When when you do good, God rewards you. When you do bad, God punishes you. You know what God says about that standard? You can take that and go home. Because that's not my standard. That's a standard of fairness that I, I don't operate with, that I don't even recognize. If you want to operate by that standard, that's up to you, but that's not my standard. Take, take your pay and go, just like he said to those workers. He further explains through the words of the landowner, I, I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money, or are you envious that I'm so generous? God wants you to trust in his mercy that loves even the last. Some of us look like we're last. Our hips are too wide or our eyes are kind of crossed when people take pictures of us or we're the wrong skin color or we grew up on the wrong side of the tracks i mean like, eh, I just look like I'm last. Some of us feel like we're last. When we think of our lives and our failures and our bad habits and hang-ups and hurts, and we compare ourselves to others who are so good, so strong, so smart, so successful... Some of us have been told since we've been kids that we're last. You live with parents who don't say the words but communicate very clearly that you just can't do anything right. And you're never going to be as successful as your sister or as strong as your brother. Some of us actually are last. Because of your bum knee, you couldn't join the Air Force. So you were rejected. You, you went to the job interview expecting that, it just, that you knocked it out of the park and you never heard anything back. You, you failed the exam and now you got to take it again. It's your fault that the marriage fell apart. Yeah, some of us are actually last. But i got to tell you this, based on these words of Jesus in this parable, God doesn't know it. God does not know that you're last. God's mercy does not know last. God's mercy only knows first. Only knows you're first. You know why? Because Jesus became last. I mean, if there's someone that exists in in this universe for whom what he deserves and what he got are so universally, exponentially different, it's not you. It's Jesus. The king of heaven gets killed on a cross by a wicked man. You see that? Jesus said, I will become last so that you can be first in the kingdom of heaven. And not only did Jesus become last, but he took your last. All of it. Jesus took your last fear, your last anxiety, your last despair. Jesus took your last shame, your last worry. He took your last sin. He took it all on himself so that you do not bear it. When you are afraid of things you should not be afraid of, it's not because they have actual ability to harm or hurt you or do something to you that God doesn't want. That's, that's not true. You're just believing a lie. So how about the truth? Jesus took your last and it's gone. And his mercy only knows you as first. So, mercy, mercy says, there is no last place, no second place, only first place. Listen, listen. God's heart only knows you in first place. That means he doesn't want to be second place in yours. Amen? Amen. I'm not done. I was just getting the amen out there. (laughs) We're almost done. I'm going to land this plane. But I've got to tell you a story first. I want to tell you a story, and then I want to bring it home to us, okay? So Adam is a 13-year-old boy with autism. He's 6 feet 13 years old. Six feet tall, 225 pounds. He's a big kid. This is a real story. Um, Adam's church. So he'd go to church. This autistic 13-year-old giant, and uh, he'd he'd disturb the the, the worship service. He would he was just disturbing. He would he would make noises and uh, clap hands. Kind of looked like he was bullying other kids. And was he or wasn't he? I don't know. But the kids, he pushed kids around. Uh, I don't know all the details of what the church went through, and I can understand how hard it was, but the fact is the church ended up filing a restraining order against his parents and family. Uh, no judgment. I don't know the details. I'm just, I'm, this is the facts of the story. And that, went, that made the news, and then the news feeds came back with churches telling stories about how they did things a bit different in one church in New Brunswick, New Jersey, had an 18-year-old with autism. And he, he was also quite disturbing. And this is a church that was a bit more on the traditional side and the very contemplative and solemn, beginning to the worship service, very quiet. Shh, don't. We don't smile. We don't clap. We're very... And this kid was all over the place. You know what that church did? They changed the entire order of service the entire vibe of the service to include hand clapping and loud singing why so that this kid could burst out and be himself and and it wouldn't be awkward that's amazing mercy there's a church in minneapolis that had a a mom with 11 year old autistic twins and they formed a care group to watch those twins so that the mom could sing in the choir you know that makes me think about how merciful we are at Cross Life, and how merciful we can be at Cross Life, at this church, and in our, our Cross Life family. And I just want to say thank you, thank you for showing mercy. It goes a long way. And and if that's the main operational principle of this church, then folks, we are very close. To the kingdom of God. So thank you for saying that kind word to a stranger that you didn't know because you, you didn't spend all Sunday morning with your friends who you do know and you went to a stranger and you said good morning and they were looking for mercy and they found it in your kind words. Thank you. Thank you for giving financially. Or, or stepping up when you're asked to serve, giving of your time. You, it's something you don't have to do, but the church is a nonprofit organization. We, we just, we're 100% donor-funded and, and supported, and if you don't do that, and the person sitting next to you doesn't do that, then we're not doing any ministry, and we're not connecting people to Jesus, but you do. And we saw a record number of baptisms and new members of our Cross Life Church family in 2023 because you gave and because God is good. Thank you. Thank you for moving. Simple things, moving to the middle so more people can sit on the ends and parking volunteers who come and they park in the perimeter so that late arriving guests can have the best spots. Thank you. Let's be like that landowner, though. Can we? And let's keep looking. Let's not stop at the crew we just hired, but let's go out, not just at 6 a.m., but also at 9 a.m., and let's not get tired of mercy. Let's go out at 12 noon, and let's keep open our eyes and see that there's still more who need mercy, and let's go. Let's not expect them just to walk through our doors, but let's go find them. And then there's this, please, do not let the operational principle of this church make fiscal sense. Do not let it be calculated. Do not let it add up so all the boxes in the spreadsheet are just in line, because if we do, then where is faith? Do not let the world tell you what mercy should look like, because they don't know Jesus does. And so you think about this mercy that Jesus has had on you. God's mercy to you, in you, through you to others. And it's the mercy, (laughs) it's the mercy where it's not about first or last. It's not about profit or loss. It's not about winning or losing, or it's not about your way or someone else's way. Because God's mercy doesn't even, doesn't even count that at all. Can you show mercy like that? Say yes. Say in Jesus' name. Amen.